We have a responsibility as new creations in Christ to put on kindness and to give kindness that's undeserved. What a privilege. Tell us what happened. Something special happened on Friday night for you. Um, so about in April, I had a bit of a um, injury. It didn't make sense, but I had a herniated di I had a herniated disc and a bulging disc. So I've had pain pretty much 24/7 since April. Um, Painkillers sort of don't really do much, so I just numb it a little bit. Um, and then, so since then, haven't really had much success. Had an X-ray, CT scan, MRI, had, a, had all those. Um, and then, yeah, they, they said that a few times of uh, potential of uh, operation for cutting off the protrusion. Um, and then on Friday, so I was here for, I was doing the camera during the worship and then um, I had to go eight o'clock, so. Then I got a message from uh, Josiah and Rachel, and uh, they they told me that oh, like you, you got to watch it back because um, this message this message is for you. So oh, yeah, righto. <laughs> on uh, on Saturday, uh, it was me, Asher, and Harry were working on um, Asher's car, and I was thought oh, yeah, I've got a spare moment, so I'll just have a look at the, the through the video. I was looking through it, and I was like, yeah, that definitely speaks to me. So. And um, yeah, and yeah, word of knowledge about the uh, lower back or disc. Can't remember. Can't remember. But um, so then Harry turned around and said, "So how, how's your back now?" I was like, "Oh, still a bit sore." He's like, "All right, let's pray." So I was like, "Cool, let's pray for it." And then um, so after about uh, two or three minutes of him praying, doing his thing, and then um, no pain. I was just in shock. I was just standing there. I was like, "No pain." Zero pain. So, as of last night, which I've, I've lately, I've been able to take two pain, like strong painkillers, three times a day. So it's like six painkillers a day. And since last night, I've had no pain. This morning, no pain. I've I haven't taken any painkillers. I'm able to get up and out of bed. You know. <laughs> so. Oh man, that makes my heart so happy! Yay, Jesus! That's beautiful. Uh, he's too young to have to be having an operation on his back. I'm just, go, Jesus. Oh, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Do you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 21? I want to share with you what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. Who enjoys reading their Bibles? I tell you, there's so much comfort that God has for us that we miss out on because we don't open up the book. God has blessing for us. He has words of comfort and encouragement for us every single day. But we have to open up the book to hear what he's saying and let him speak to us. Matthew chapter 21 and 22, there's three interesting parables. And they, these parables flow on. When Jesus spoke, he didn't speak in chapter and verse. He didn't say, everyone stop now, we're moving on to chapter 22. So there's three parables in a row, and they're interesting parables. The first parable there is, it's about these two sons. And basically, I'll just paraphrase for you. There's a landowner, and um, 
he says to his first son, go and work in the vineyard. And the son says, sure thing, dad, no worries. And then doesn't do it. Then he goes to the second son. He says, come on, son, go out into the vineyard for me, do some work. And the son says, no. But then he feels convicted and he goes and does it. And Jesus asks, which one did the right thing? And of course, it's the son that went out and actually did it. And I believe these parables, all three of them, are speaking about what honor looks like. That it's not just about saying the right things or making a commitment. It's about the follow-through. It's about actually doing. Now, the Bible says, be not just hearers of the word only, but doers. Hallelujah. We know it's by grace we're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. You can't work your way into the kingdom. But the kingdom is not a transactional decision where you make one commitment. It's about making this decision and this commitment to following Christ and then following through. Hallelujah. And these three parables are all saying the same thing. The next parable then is about a landowner who had a vineyard and um, set people over it and put them in charge. And then he sent some servants to go and reap the produce, take, bring some of the produce home. And the people who were renting the vineyard, who'd been put in charge, beat up the servants and killed another one and, and dishonored them and sent them home, sent them packing. And so he sent another group of servants and they did the same thing to them. And finally he said, well, I'll send my son. They'll respect my son. And when they saw the son coming, of course, this is a type and shadow of Jesus and all the prophets that came and tried to speak to the people of Israel. But they saw the son coming and they said to themselves, well, he's the heir. If we kill him, then we'll get to keep it. And so they attacked him and killed him. And Jesus then said, what do you think the father will do? And the hearers went, well, he'll come in and kill them all. And, and, and Jesus was speaking these scriptures to help people recognize the, the seriousness of honoring God, of recognizing that our lives are not our own, that what God has done, what God has given us, is not for us to take for ourselves, but to give him honor and worship and glory. And um, he says he will bring those wretches to a wretched end, and he'll rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who'll pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. This sounds all very heavy, but then there's another parable. It starts in chapter 22, and it's about a wedding feast. And a king who is throwing a big wedding feast and he's invited all the favoured guests and some of them say, oh, I'm too busy or oh, I've got this excuse, I've got that excuse. Others actually just didn't even just make excuses. They beat up the servants and sent them packing. And so the king, he, he sent in his armies and he destroyed those people who'd killed his servants and he said, and we'll pick it up here, the story here, in, um, in chapter 22, verse 6, or verse 7. The king was enraged. He sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set the city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. 
Go therefore to the main highways, as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Serious parables, heavy parables, really. But I believe the Lord is speaking to us. You know, throughout scripture, we hear this concept of garments and clothes and putting off and putting on. And these three parables, as you put them together, really are about honor, honoring the host, honoring the Lord. We honor him by doing what, what he's asked us to do. We honor him by bringing him what he deserves. We honor him by making sure that we are wearing the wedding garments. It's all about honoring the host. You know, my husband and I, we live with the family on a bit of a, a hobby farm, and Tom spends a lot of time down the back with the lantana and the blackberry bushes, and he's feeding the cows, and he gets hay all over him and prickles and, and stuff, and he comes into the house. Hopefully, he shakes himself off before he comes in, and he's covered in stuff. But when we are invited to a party or a um, wedding or he'll come in and he will take off all the farm clothes, have a shower, put on some nice new clothes and, and he will he'll, he'll not wear his farm clothes to the wedding. Why? Because it would be disrespectful. It wouldn't be honouring the invitation. And I believe the Lord's wanting to speak to us today about how we can practically honor the invitation that God's given us and is giving us right now to stand in his glory. I believe that the Lord is, is moving in a way that we haven't seen before. We are contending for such an outpouring of his spirit that people are going to be healed before they even get hands laid on, that people are going to be healed walking into the building. We're seeing it happen online and, and the glory of God, but he wants to increase what he's doing. And it's going to take a people who are willing to honor him, to glorify him, to give him all the honor and all the worship and all the glory. And that's going to take doing these things. It's going to take, and I want to talk today about wearing the right clothes. We know that we've become new creations when we get saved. Hallelujah. Isaiah 52 verse 1 says, awake, awake, clothe yourself in your strength, Zion. Clothe yourself with your beautiful garments, Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up, captive Jerusalem. Release yourself from the chains around your neck, captive daughter of Zion. You've heard me share about this before, but that word shake, as you look in the Hebrew, is actually the word na'ah. I like the way my friend Kiralee Lowe puts it, na'ah. It, and, and the definition of the word in the Strongs there is through the idea of the rustling of mane, which usually accompanies the lion's roar. 
It's actually a very deliberate shake, shake yourself from the dust, like I hope Tom does before he comes in on the carpet. Hallelujah. Shake yourself from the dust, like accompanied by a lion's roar. It's like, I'm not going to live with the remnants of my old habits, my old ways. I'm not going to be... Uh, contaminated by the things that have gone on around me. I'm going to shake that off. I'm going to awake and I'm going to arise. Hallelujah. And God wants us to clothe ourselves with our beautiful garments, to shake off the dust, not to let ourselves maintain a, an identity as a victim or someone, oh, this has happened and this has happened, but shake it off, hallelujah, and deliberately, intentionally put on the beautiful garments. Colossians tells us, I used to memorize it as a child, um, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive any grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And God's heart is that we would put these things on. This is in the epistles. So don't tell me it's old covenant. This is something we actively do. This is something that we are invited to. He has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. But we're still told to put it on, to lay hold of, to take hold of these virtues and actively walk in them every day. That is, you can, if you want to, revert to old habits and old ways. But if we're going to honor the invitation, if we're going to be among those who are chosen, God's heart isn't for you to get the idea from this that the, you, know, you have to work for your salvation. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we also have to work out our salvation. And we do have a responsibility not to be those that say one thing and then don't follow through, but actively walk by faith as the just. The righteous shall live by faith. They shall live, they shall walk. That's an active verb, a doing thing. And that means every day you and I have power and authority to put on the beautiful garments. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We put it on intentionally. Oh, but I'm already saved. Yes. It means it's been paid for. Done. It's yours. Now do something with it. Pick it up. Use it. If you don't use it, it's useless. Put it on. Put on the new self. Put on the, the beautiful garments. Um, Galatians 5, 22. We know that this speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Sunday school is a good thing. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Hallelujah. We'll read it here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why does the Bible have to tell us about this if we already have it when we get saved? Paul spends a lot of time 
telling us all the things. Why? Because even though we've experienced the new creation salvation, we have a responsibility now to walk and to know what he's saying, to hear his voice and to follow through. Not to be like the son that says, yeah, no worries, and, and then doesn't do it, but to be those that honor the invitation and honor the Father. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, we know about love. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 talks about the love of God that passes knowledge, that you and I would be filled up to overflowing with all the fullness of God. We love because he first loved us. We have a responsibility every day to be going to the Lord and receiving his perfect love that casts out fear, of letting that perfect love so fill us to overflowing that everywhere we go, love leaps out. That everyone you look at experiences the love of God. He looked at him and loved him. The Bible says of Jesus talking to the rich young ruler, love should leak out of you everywhere you go, but it'll only happen as you intentionally knock and the door shall be opened. Hallelujah. As you intentionally recognize God's heart for you is to be opening up your heart and receiving love. Your prayer life is not just your religious, not a religious obligation, it's a lifeline. It's the only way you can actually live by faith because faith works by love. You need love. You need love. All you need is love. Yes, the love of God to fill you up to overflowing so that it will continually overflow. Joy, Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, joy is not an option. It's not a feeling, it's not an emotion. Joy is a fruit of the spirit that you have access to. Joy is a choice that you lay hold of by faith. I'm going to rejoice, I'm gonna have joy today. Joy is found in his presence. So it comes back to this beautiful, intimate place with the Lord at home every day, consistently receiving the love of God, letting the joy of the Lord be the strength that gives you strength. If you feel like, I can't deal with it anymore, I can't handle it, you need more joy. And that joy is available by faith in the secret place. Hallelujah. And you can take it and you can have it. Hallelujah. Peace. Psalm 147, we read about it. I'm going to just read that to you because it's a word speaking to me right now. I'll start at verse, 11, verse 13 just because I like it. He has strengthened the bars of your gates. I claim this. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to claim that for healthy immunity. You strengthened the bars of my gates. Hallelujah. You've blessed your, his, he has blessed your sons within you. He makes peace in your borders. He satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He makes peace in your borders. That means within the border of my body, I have the privilege of entertaining supernatural peace. That I don't have to allow any external thing to take that peace. I have peace that passes understanding. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't make human sense. I have access by the fruit of the Spirit 
to, to lay hold of peace and to walk in it, to clothe myself with peace so that when things happen, I'm peaceful. My husband manifests the fruit of peace magnificently and patience, that's the next one, patience. Patience can also be um, translated long-suffering or perseverance, hallelujah. I remember a situation, we were in America driving and then suddenly the maps say you need to take that exit because there was bumper to bumper traffic and so Tom's having to navigate across several tra lanes of traffic to try and get to the exit and someone got upset. There was a guy in a black gangster car <laughs> and he was pretty cranky. <laughs> And I was pretty nervous. I'm like, Tom, they've got guns over here. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. And he got mad. And he actually then moved his car and just pulled right in front of us in the exit lane and just stopped. And I'm there going, oh. And Tom says, it's right. I can wait here all day. I'm like, but Tom, shouldn't we just get back on the freeway and just go to the next exit and turn around or something? I don't want to aggravate this scary man. He said, no, it's fine. And everyone starts beeping, all the horns are beeping, and Tom's just sitting there happy. Didn't beep his horn, didn't show any nasty signs, he just sat there. And pretty soon the guy got over it and moved away, and Tom went through. Patience. I am like, you're the most patient man I've ever met, hallelujah. We have access to it. We have access to it. When you think you can't, God says you can. Kindness, Galatians 6, 9 to 10 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God is kinder than we feel like we deserve all the time. And therefore, we have a responsibility as new creations in Christ to put on kindness and to give kindness that's undeserved. What a privilege. Goodness. We have supernatural power to do good instead of evil, to repay evil for good. When you feel like, mm, I just really would like to help them recognize that they've done that wrong thing. He says, you have power to bless those that curse you, to do good to those who despise you and despitefully use you, to do good instead of evil. We have the power to do good when we don't feel like it, when we don't feel like we're having a lot of good stuff happening to us, we still have the power to manifest the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is consistency. It's a loyal heart to God is. It's an attribute of God and it's something you and I have access to. It's part of the beautiful garments that we get called to wear. Faithfulness. Faithfulness, it looks like consistency. It looks like consistently doing the right thing, consistently following God with a loyal heart. Remember Hosea 6.6, 6, I desire loyalty, not sacrifice. God's looking for our loyal heart, for our faithfulness. He wants us to be faithful with everything, with our Bible reading, with our prayer. He wants us to be faithful to Him. He wants us to be, He's given us power to walk faithfully, consistently before Him. Faithfully, 
praying every day, faithfully opening up the Bible, faithfully doing the right thing, faithfully serving him and honoring him. He's given us power to be faithful to our spouses, faithful to our families, faithful to our friends, faithful to our church, faithful, consistent, loyal. Hallelujah. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not about being moved and tossed about by every circumstance, but actually walking consistently, faithfully with him. Hallelujah, who gives us the fruit of faithfulness. You're very quiet here. I know this is basic, but I tell you, if we get the basics. Gentleness. It's also translated meekness sometimes. No, meekness isn't weakness, they say. And it's true. I, I look at like Scott Lincoln there. Give us a wave, Scott. Scott is a very big, strong man. But I tell you, when I look at him with his little boy, his little baby Luke, tiny little baby, I see strength under control, gentleness, absolute gentleness. He's so gentle. We have power to be gentle to be gentle with people that we might feel like we have no tolerance for, God says, I've given you power to show gentleness. It's not weakness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. A gentle answer turns away wrath. I mean, I know men like to fight. I know you guys like your UFC and your football and the scary things. But hey, not really my cup of tea, but I know like men are good at this. You were made for it, in fact. God's created us to fight, hallelujah, to be overcomers. I'm not endorsing UFC, but hey, <laughs> he has anointed us to be fighters, to be overcomers. To him who overcomes, I'll give the crown of life. It's a good thing to be able to be a fighter, but it's also a good thing when you're ready to fight out of a anger impulse to bring a gentle answer that's drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest gentleness when others would expect you to do otherwise. If you are following your emotions, they will lead you into all sorts of trouble. Like, no, my feelings are not the boss, God is. Hallelujah, I can exercise the fruit of self-control and walk in that fruit. I wanna to finish today's program by telling you this powerful testimony. Brooke had half of her uterus missing and was told that she would likely never have children. But God did the impossible. I had to have emergency surgery and the surgeon showed me pictures of my insides and showed that I only had um, one fallopian tube and a half a womb. I saw it with my own eyes. He told me that I might not be able to have children or I could lose the baby and I could risk my life getting pregnant. Then I went to a miracle meeting in Brisbane. I got prayed for and I saw Jesus. He touched my belly and he said, consider it done. Then I went back to the surgeon, had an MRI. He said, I can't explain what happened because when I opened you up, I took pictures and your fallopian tube wasn't there. Now everything is normal and you've got your whole womb, your whole fallopian tube. And he pulled up all the pictures again and showed me again where it wasn't there, but now it is there. And that's because Jesus restored it when I went to that miracle meeting. If God can creatively restore half a uterus and a fallopian tube, there is nothing He can't do for you. Put your faith in God today.
I love connecting with our monthly partners through our monthly mentoring Zooms. It's so beautiful to be able to pray together and have question and answer time. And we so value our monthly partners. We have different sessions for people in different time zones around the world. And it is so beautiful to connect with those who are partnering with us to take this message to the world. If you'd like to join us as one of our monthly partners, you can do that through the website. I'd love to be able to connect with you on one of our monthly Zooms.